0: Chapter One of the Intermediate Sex A Study of Some Transitional Types of Men and Women by Edward Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Chuck Williamson. Chapter One Introductory. The subject dealt with in this book is one of great and one may say growing importance whether it is that the present period is one of large increase in the numbers of men and women of an intermediate or mixed temperament or whether it merely is that it is a period in which more than usual attention happens to be accorded to them the fact certainly remains that the subject has great actuality and is pressing upon us from all sides it is recognized that, anyhow, the number of persons occupying an intermediate position between the two sexes is very great, that they play a considerable part in general society, and that they necessarily present and embody many problems which, both for their own sake and that of society, demand solution, the literature of the question has, in consequence, already grown to be quite extensive, especially on the continent, and includes a great quantity of scientific works, medical treatises, literary essays, romances, historical novels, poetry, etc., and it is now generally admitted that some knowledge and enlightened understanding of the subject is greatly needed for the use of certain classes as for instance medical men teachers parents magistrates judges and the like that there are distinctions and gradations of soul material in relation to sex that the inner psychical affections and affinities shade off and graduate in a vast number of instances most subtly from male to female and not always in obvious correspondence with the outer bodily sex is a thing evident enough to any one who considers the subject nor could any good purpose well be served by ignoring this fact even if it were possible to do so it is easy of course as some do to classify these mixed or intermediate types as bad. It is also easy, as some do, to argue that, just because they combine opposite qualities, they are likely to be good and valuable. But the subtleties and complexities of nature cannot be dispatched in this off-hand manner. The great probability is that as in many other class of human beings, there will be among these too, good and bad, high and low, worthy and unworthy. Some perhaps exhibiting, through their double temperament, a rare and beautiful flower of humanity, others a perverse and tangled ruin. Before the facts of nature, we have to preserve a certain humility and reverence, nor rush in with our preconceived and obstinate assumptions. Though these gradations of human type have always, and among all peoples, been more or less known and recognized, yet their frequency today, or even the concentration of attention on them, may be the indication of some important change actually in progress we do not know in fact what possible evolutions are to come or what new forms of permanent place and value are being already slowly differentiated from the surrounding mass of humanity it may be, as at some past period of evolution the worker bee was without doubt differentiated from the two ordinary bee sexes, so at the present time certain new types of humankind may be emerging, which will have an important part to play in the societies of the future, even though for the moment their appearance is attended by a good deal of confusion and misapprehension it may be so or it may not we do not know and the best attitude we can adopt is one of sincere and dispassionate observation of facts of course wherever this subject touches on the domain of love we may expect difficult queries to arise yet it is here probably that the noblest work of the intermediate sex or sexes will be accomplished as well as the greatest errors committed it seems almost a law of nature that new and important movements should be misunderstood and vilified even though afterwards they may be widely approved or admitted to honor such movements are always envisioned first from whatever aspect they may possibly present, of ludicrous or contemptible. The early Christians, in the eyes of the Romans, were chiefly known as the perpetrators of obscure rites and crimes in the darkness of the catacombs. Modern socialism was, for a long time, supposed to be an affair of daggers and dynamite. And even now there are thousands of good people, ignorant enough to believe that it simply means divide up all round and take each his threepenny bit. Vegetarians were supposed to be a feeble and brainless set of cabbage-eaters. The women's movement, so vast in its scope and importance, was nothing but an absurd attempt to make women the apes of men and so on without end the accusations in each case being some tag or last fag end of fact caught up by ignorance and colored by prejudice so commonplace is it to misunderstand so easy to misrepresent that the iranian temperament especially in regards to its affectional side is not without faults, must naturally be allowed. But that it has been grossly and absurdly misunderstood is certain. With a good deal of experience in the matter, I think one may safely say that the defect of the male Uranian, or earning, is not sensuality, but rather sentimentality. The lower, more ordinary type of earning are often terribly sentimental. The superior type, strangely, almost incredibly emotional. But neither as a rule, though of course there must be exceptions, are so sensual as the average, normal man. This immense capacity of emotional love represents of course a great driving force whether in the individual or in society love is eminently creative it is their great genius of attachment which gives to the best uranian types their penetrating influence and activity and which often makes them beloved and accepted far and wide even by those who know nothing of their inner mind how many so-called philanthropists of the best kind, we need not mention names, have been inspired by the Iranian temperament, the world will probably never know. And in all walks of life, the great number and influence of folk of this disposition, and the distinguished place they already occupy, is only realized by those who are more or less behind the scenes it is probable also that it is this genius for emotional love which gives the uranians their remarkable youthfulness anyhow with their extraordinary gift for and experience in affairs of the heart from the double point of view both of the man and of the woman it is not difficult to see that these people have a special work to do as reconcilers and interpreters of the two sexes to each other of this i have spoken at more length below chapters two and five it is probable that the superior yearnings will become in affairs of the heart to a large extent the teachers of future society and if so that their influence will tend to the realization and expression of an attachment less exclusively sensual than to the average today, and to the diffusion of this in all directions. While at any rate not presuming to speak with authority on so difficult a subject, I plead for the necessity of a patient consideration of it, for the due recognition of the type of character concerned and for some endeavor to give them their fitting place and sphere of usefulness in the general scheme of society one thing more by way of introductory explanation the word love is commonly used in so general and almost indiscriminate a fashion as to denote sometimes physical instincts and acts AND SOMETIMES THE MOST INTIMATE AND PROFOUND FEELINGS, AND IN THIS WAY A GOOD DEAL OF MISUNDERSTANDING IS CAUSED. IN THIS BOOK, UNLESS THERE BE EXCEPTIONS IN THE APPENDIX, THE WORD IS USED TO DENOTE THE INNER DEVOTION OF ONE PERSON TO ANOTHER. AND WHEN ANYTHING ELSE IS MEANT, AS FOR INSTANCE, SEXUAL RELATIONS AND ACTIONS, this is clearly stated and expressed. End of chapter 1